1: wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch
0: him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help!
1: Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. On a pretty clear day outside, all rather chilly, 46 degrees for piney woods of north-central Florida... Probably right on target for this time of the month, but based on what we've had, it's a little bit chilly because we've had summer-like days. And we've got things blooming. We don't want them to be tricked and think uh, they did the wrong thing by coming out and sticking their heads out. So we're here in the Mellon Law Studio, the Manly Warthog Man Cave inside the Mellon Law Studio, protected by crime prevention, of course, 24-7, 365, sponsored by on-the-spot cleaners, uh, Shoot GTR, r Construction, Um, All the good guys, uh, uh, go patronize them, really, and go to uh, Style Cuts and check out my good buddy Dave up there. We are uh, in the midst of, once again, reporting to you stories that are heating up, basically because of DeSantis and his commitment to saying that uh, Florida is where woke goes to die. And we're going to focus a little bit on education today, of which I know a great deal, having been in it all my professional life. and still connected to it in one way or another, especially since uh, you know my metaphor here. You are my students, and I'm the professor, and I'm just giving you a class, and you are to uh, take notes, if you will, and govern yourself accordingly. You are citizens. You may vote. You may do whatever you need to do with whatever we report. You may refute it, debate it, uh, clear it up, contribute to it, etc. But um, Really, there's no escaping the fact that right now uh, we're in the middle of a conversation, let's put it uh, euphemistically, about what's appropriate to discuss in a classroom. And those of us who are believers in meritocracy and high standards and trying to aspire to get to them and hanging out with smart people and all that business, which you've heard me talk about, are fighting a battle really to keep it from being corrupted by a political ideology. It's very clear and simple that we're supposed to revise history and take the position that everything that's based on Western culture primarily, Western thinking, Renaissance values, uh, the institutions of free thought and speech and conversation that have be pried out of the hands of the kings in Europe are really sinful because they're based upon a, a, a sinful nation that set up slavery, which is a complete misreading of the international use of labor in those days, which was worldwide and still is uh, indentured servitude, slavery, whatever you want to call it by. There are people who even suggest that if you work uh, in Detroit on the assembly line, you are a slave to the the unions, to the manufacturing pace. You really haven't lived until you've worked on an assembly line. I've worked on an assembly line. It's one of the most dehumanizing things you can do. You sit there and you look at the same thing go by and you do the same thing each day. You have quotas, you have pressure. You're not really anything different from the machine you're working at. And you become part of the machine, act like the machine and think like the machine. And um, it's uh, pretty much uh, what defined the Northern uh, part of the United States after then North won the war and became an automated industrial society eventually. Really, primarily, really game changer was the uh, motor car. The motor car played a big role in crime. And you asked me, how does that work? And I think I've discussed this with you before. The motor car was invented and made it possible to travel more than 25 miles a day. And when the horse was your transportation, Primarily, you could make it 25 miles in a day. If you look at the little towns set up around here, they're 10 miles apart. Thinking is 10 miles to visit and 10 miles to return. That's about 20 miles with five to run around in the towns or on the side and see things. So um, when you had um, distance travel limited to 25 miles a day, you had community. And with community came knowing who your fellow man or neighbor was, and you could therefore shame that person if that person stepped out of line because that person didn't want to be ostracized in the community. That was the thinking of how to control behavior. But once we had the motor car and it could go as far as you wanted to go, want to tank a gas or get refilled, now they're advertising these electric vehicles about 300 miles. So anyway, you can still get away in the motor car regardless of the engine. And, um, uh, You could go to another community and not be known and misbehave and not be shamed. So along came this uh, abstraction of human beings. And we've really taken that whole, that's the way our minds work. We now abstract rather than look at individuals. And we've been inundated with all these abstract ideas which have invaded the classroom. Let's just concentrate on the classroom for a while. It's really got discussions upside down. The classroom was a place where individuals could excel and distinguish themselves. It's a community. And you meet and you talk and you gain respect or you lose it and you want to get it back. And the way you get it back is to gain the respect of the people in the room who really govern the best thinking practices. And that has been, and this is kind of a brilliant. Extemporaneous speech. I'm giving you here now. This is a synthesis of years of being a reader and a thinker and a debater, and also a classroom professor. So, uh, this this business of of invading the classroom with ideology. Let's just leave the workplace and the political arena out of it for a while. We know we've got in every political uh, place here, we've got somebody in charge of diversity and all that business. But the classroom really now is a place worth fighting a battle. You know, you always want to pick where you fight your battles, and
0: you want to pick your battles, and you want to be strategic about it, and you want to win your battles. Well, heretofore, the governor got involved. You couldn't
1: win these battles because money of the federal government went to those universities that allowed this corruption into the classroom. And so the universities began to hire presidents and hire professors, and then, of course, talk to students, and then students became mimics of their professors, and away we went. Now, New College is a pretty neat little school. I remember when it was formed. It was formed as a premier open-minded
0: free thinking, meritocracy, college, and the state. Um, it's based on European models of education. And in European
1: models of education, which originally Jefferson envisioned our education system being based on, let's take a moment and talk about it. Excellence was what was in the classroom. <clears throat> about middle school,
0: Is where you got tested to see if you were a candidate to go on to academic track.
1: And if you weren't a candidate to go on to the academic track for any kinds of reasons, either you weren't going to be able to compete and excel in the academic track, or you weren't motivated, there was another track. You could go into what we now call the vocational world, which is badly needed, if you weren't interested in the academic world of books and libraries and discussions, you could go into mechanical world. Now it's become the air conditioners, the, uh, the, the, the uh, masons and masonry people and all that badly needed, the air conditioning people, and whatnot. And if you ever wanted to come back into the academic track, you could test into it. But we never really de emphasize the emphasis on meritocracy in either one of the tracks. If you wanted to be a great, Bricklayer, meritocracy was there also. If you wanted to be a great mathematician in the academic track, meritocracy was there also. And the whole thinking about New College was that, boy, this would be even neater. We'll have a tutorial relationship. We will custom make uh, studies for each individual. It would almost be like graduate school where you'd have a graduate professor and you have a thesis and you report to a graduate thesis committee and defend your thesis. And you're free. Once we give you the skills to go develop the thesis, to develop whatever thesis uh, we feel is
0: worthy of your looking into. So new college quietly, if you will, has slipped into being a, how shall we say this? Incubator for Left-Wing Ideology. If you take a look at the people that are there as deans, and you take a look at what their discussions allow and disallow, it is pretty easy to see. But you have to be
1: able to, and the title of today's show is to, you have to be able to understand coded language or certain things that are designed to bias you. I'm looking at this article by Zach Anderson. It came out of the Sarasota Herald Tribune. Of course, the uh, U.S. Today Network picked it up and
0: copied it, and now it's been picked up by the Gainesville Sunset. But New College is in Sarasota. And the opening two paragraphs are
1: it's important for you to be able to decode them. The opening paragraph is, New College of Florida Interim President Richard Hookerman recently fired the school's dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, removing a prominent, here we go,
0: removing a prominent campus leader. A prominent campus leader. Why didn't we have that in there? See, because what we've done if we've already stacked the deck to influence your mind, who would dare to fire or remove a prominent campus leader. Why do we say prominent campus leader?
1: Why don't we just say the Dean for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion?
0: Because Mr. Anderson has tipped his hand. How do you now become Get this, he's revealed this probably without knowing it. How do you become, just write the little syllogism major premise, minor premise, conclusion. How do you become a prominent campus leader? You become a prominent campus leader. By embracing diversity, equity, and inclusion, ergo, if you don't embrace those DEI, it follows that you won't be regarded. As a prominent campus leader. Now, if you're a prominent campus leader, you need something to lead. Well, what would you lead as a dean? You would lead the faculty. And so the faculty if they wanted to be in your good graces, would embrace, would they not, the values which you embrace as their boss? So now we not only have a dean by the way, that dean was hired by a president
1: so we can go backwards with this syllogism as well. You not only have a dean
0: that supports diversity, equity, and inclusion, but you have faculty. And if you have faculty, you have students. So the opening paragraph is dismayed that the dean wasn't moved into an
1: open position rather than being
0: terminated. So let me ask you this, my my friends, my students. If we move the prominent campus leader into an open position, and it doesn't say what that would be, but still on the campus, would it not follow you would still have on the campus a prominent figure who embraced diversity, equity, and inclusion? Now you tell me what you would do if you wanted to return that institution to a place where you can discuss and exchange and defend and advocate your ideas in a full and open Classroom. You don't want to keep a presence on the campus of a prominent person that led you away from this to begin with. So the next paragraph is really requires that you put your thinking cap on. Now, the first rhetorical strategy
1: that I always had my students in my writing classes begin with was the comparison-contrast strategy. And you would be amazed at how many people can't write it because they're not objective about their comparisons. They really are writing persuasion or argumentation. They're not writing comparison.
0: Let's say they compared grocery store A to grocery store B. They need indexes of comparison. Are you going to compare the apples in grocery store
1: B to the apples in grocery store A? That is often where they would first go strike. They would tout the apples in grocery store A, but
0: they never bring it up in grocery store B. Or they might compare an apple to an orange. No, apple to an orange doesn't compare. And so they don't often know they're carrying this bias
1: around in their mind. They've already made up their mind about which grocery store they prefer, but that's not the purpose of the comparison.
0: If they want to advocate for grocery store A, let them write a persuasion paper, an argumentation paper, but not a comparison paper. Now the next paragraph is a comparison strategy, that Mr. Zach Anderson corrupts completely. But you know, the average reader hasn't been through
1: the rigors and high standards of Professor
0: Warthog's writing class, which Professor Warthog puts himself through every day. So the next paragraph by Mr. Anderson says, a few days after firing of the dean, and they love that word firing. You see, it's not removed. It's fired. Now you remember there are denotations to words
1: and there are connotations to words. Denotation is the dictionary definition of the word.
0: The connotation is the cultural meaning associated with the word. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that the brighter students today will probably get. Close your eyes. And let me say the following phrase
1: and you tell me who whom it is associated with
0: Are you ready You're fired Anybody get it Mr. Donald J Trump Mr. Donald J Trump Now you say that he's not in the article. Really? Well, if you don't get that association, Mr. Anderson is not going to let you squirm away from it because he's going to bring up some things about Mr. Cochran that he doesn't bring up about. the prominent campus leader. And here is what he brings up about Mr. Corcoran. Sorry, Corcoran. I'm assuming is how you say name, Corcoran. The next paragraph, of course, is a few days after firing the dean. So
1: if he didn't get it, it's been used twice in this narrative so far. Corcoran hired to oversee admissions, a former Republican Party
0: operative, there's your first word, with negative connotations. An operative is associated with dark money, skullduggery, political strategies. So you see what we're doing here? We didn't bring up anything about the dean. But we brought up quite a bit, and there's more to come. He belongs to the National Rifle Association. Really? Really? He belongs to the National Rifle Association? Well, let me give you a little secret. So do I. So do I. And so do a lot of people. Are they political operatives? I doubt... More than 1% of them, if that may. So the president, a Republican Party operative, fires a dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion, you see. Furthermore, Mr. Anderson writes, this man, Corcoran, once worked for an organization an organization, are you ready for this? Deemed that means called an anti LGBTQ hate group. And who call them that? Take a couple of guesses, the first two don't count. The southern poverty. Law Center. Huh? Now let's stop and summarize here what we're doing. We're doing hopefully some critical reading. There's a couple of things you need to fundamentally understand. There's literal meanings of language and there's federal figurative meanings of language. There are denotative meanings of language. There are connotative meanings of language. There are rhetorical strategies in which words are framed and put into arguments, comparisons, all different. I won't get into a whole list of all the different rhetorical strategies right now. There's sentence structure. You see, when I read something, it's like a good coach reading defenses
1: or reading offenses, seeing the structure of the play. See, the people in the stands, when they watch a football game, they watch the ball.
0: The coaches watch the structure. When I read, I'm not reading without looking at the structure. So this is the climate that the public is being asked to learn about the issue of what should be in a classroom. To rub this in a little bit more, The next paragraph, Anderson says, the new admissions director. Now, we've changed now, you see. The dean was a dean for
1: diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now we're going to talk about the admissions director. So we're not going to compare deans to deans. We're not going to compare apples to apples. We're going to compare apples to oranges. So now we're going to compare a fire dean about how about whom
0: you know nothing. You don't know what that dean belongs to. But you do know what Corcoran belongs to. Using the NRA is the big negative connotation. It'd be a positive
1: connotation for many of us, but see, see the audience here? It's in
0: Sarasota. It's going out to the college elite. There you go, okay. The new admissions director who most recently worked with
1: Corcoran in the Florida Department of Education doesn't list any
0: college admissions experience on his resume. We don't know whether that is comparable to the dean. Did the school's
1: dean list any experience in diversity, equity, inclusion? I'll bet you only one, and that's race. And when you see the dean, you'll see what we're talking about. There is a picture, which I don't have. We don't have it. I could ask production to do it, but we
0: don't don't have it. But you can take me a word for it. It's a woman, a minority. Now, the kicker is, in conclusion of this third paragraph, her name, by the way, is hyphenated, Rosario Hernandez. The kicker is, Governor Ron DeSantis appointed six new board members, and that exemplifies the new direction for the school. Now, I ask you, what'd you learn from that? What'd you learn from that? When we get back from our bottom of the hour break, I'll tell you the other side of the story here. Hopefully you're taking notes and you're learning something today, my students. Be right back on the Word Scott Files. Stay tuned. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch
1: him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather, brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. We're going to do Ward's weather report. Thanks to Wendell Lewis, who says she's only 29 years old. I think. Um, but her business is a lot older than that. Lewis Hall, Chevron stations. Um, I hope she never goes to electric charging cars. Good God, Gertie. Well, here outside the Manly Warhol Command Center, it's 46 degrees. Um, and it's going to go up just barely nudge 70. So, I'm okay with that as long as you don't get frost. Uh, I just I'm Absolutely, all of us have got our fingers. Plantation, Mark, all of us. We've got our Fingers crossed about this frost. And, well, it happens. What can we say? You would think with all the government money pumped into climate change, we'd be able to forestall and control the weather. You know, climate change is not being conducted by people who actually are dependent upon the climate. It's uh, It's conducted by people who live in artificial climates, cities and air conditionings and things like this. They don't really know anything about when things bloom or, you know, one cow's heads go on the ground and what it means. So well, that's my little spiel. Um, I'll get back to my story here about uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. But there's going to be a new atmospheric river. It's going to hammer California. Uh, the winter is not going to go out kindly in the northeast. And it's going to be freezing but hopefully not down to the Florida border. I'm looking at the place; it's going to be freezing. It's going to be down. Atlanta's going to get it. Uh, Montgomery, Alabama's going to get it. But it doesn't look as if Tallahassee, Jacksonville, that area will get it. So keep your fingers crossed for those of us who are connected to that to the natural world in a day to day way. Um, Ken, I hope you're right, Azalea's and all. The, uh, you're not frozen, man. You're in a you're in a freezing zone, though, my man. Well, I'm going through today coded language with you, and I asked you all before we went on the break, what do you think the rebuttal is going to be uh, to your um, presentation here on the removal of, of this uh, dean? What do you think Rosario Hernandez is going to use to rebut? And this is one of the things we teach in argumentation. There is fair Argumentation and there is unfair argumentation. Now, the advocacy for removing the dean was based upon corrupting the corruption of the classroom by diverting the attention and emphasis of meritocracy away from the students through the chain of command at the institution. So I gave you two guesses, and the first one didn't count as to what you might think Rosario Hernandez would say uh, she was a victim of, right? Well, well, well. And here we have the verb felt. I very much appreciate the use of the word felt, F-E-L-T, when it's associated with Rosario Hernandez.
0: Because felt is a characteristic of emotions. And emotions are, one can argue, what LGBTQ and all
1: that is about. Not science, but feelings. Oh, I just felt like I wasn't wanted. Or I I could just feel that a person didn't like me. Or I just felt as if, you know, all that business.
0: So Rosario Hernandez said the termination, are you ready, felt discriminatory. Now, when you play the discrimination card, here we are back to coded
1: language, my students. When you play
0: the discrimination card, which is the race card, you created a potential for a federal lawsuit. Sure. You created the potential because you can't discriminate, right? On race or gender, right? So here's the problem. How do you remove of these people without them playing the race card? When it's not the race card, it's the academic card. Furthermore, are you ready for this? Boy, the thing really piles up now. And old Zach Anderson can't avoid putting it in. Rosaria Hernandez. Identifies, okay, identifies as trans fluid. I got to I you know, I got to sit down and figure that code out myself. Trans fluid. So let me get this straight. Here on the new college campus. We have a dean who is a prominent leader who identifies as a trans fluid and therefore uses the pronouns. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Z, Zyre, and Zyres. And it gets even more funky. Rosario Hernandez was born in the Dominican Republic and identifies as an Afro-Dominican. That's a new one on me. I'm going to offer for you that if Rosario Hernandez kept her sexuality out of the classroom and the new college did not take it into consideration upon hiring her and kept her ethnicity out of the classroom and did not Take it into consideration when hiring her, but took her academic qualifications and accomplishments into consideration as a priority in an academic institution, nobody would care. Nobody would care. Truman Capote, whom I knew, was a, everybody knew, it was a homosexual. Who cared? He was a brilliant writer. Who cared? I mean, you know, come on. Well, Rosario Hernandez believes that her gender identity is what got her canned. It turns out that all she says she's done since she graduated from Dickinson College in New York City, is working a variety of DEI jobs. Now, she's married with two children, ages 14 and 13. Who cares about... Well, I just, I just wanted to go through Mr. Zach Anderson's presentation a little bit with you. And of course they will be playing this termination up as a bias, as the
1: left will use the race card. It'll use the gender
0: equity card. It'll use the, uh, um, anything it can get, they and, and they bring up, as I say, the National Rifle Association,
1: Republican Party. So they're making this out to be
0: a political firing when it is an academic. Responsibility that was shirked. Now, let me give you this to students. You may not know this, and certainly Mr. Anderson bring it, didn't bring it up. But there is a network, pull this off of. Um, I think, it was, came, came, I think it came out of Breitbart. may have come out of Daily Caller. There's a network funded by guess who? I'm no students. So I'm asking you to do a lot of guessing today. There's a network funded by George Soros. And it has put together a coalition of students, parents, alumni, and allies intent, you got it, Plantation, on defying reforms pushed by Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And here's the name of this network.
1: It's the only place I've read about it. It was not in Mr. Zach Anderson's
0: column. This network is called Defending Educational Freedom for Youth. B-E-F-Y. Defy. It's a grassroots coalition organized to defend the hostile
1: partisan takeover of New College, according to its website. It has a website Defending Educational Freedom for Youth, Defy. It claims to be a grassroots coalition,
0: but it's funded by Mr. Soros. And it's holding a speaker series about, of all things, here goes your coded language, defending educational freedom. And this is the kicker building social movements. They don't go together, my friends. Education is not about building a social movement. In engineering, it's about building a bridge. In English, it's about constructing a sentence and a paragraph, and an essay, and an argument. It's not about building a social movement. Soros has contributed so far to open society foundations. $1 $1 billion. And Defy is developing
1: a series of initiatives aimed at fighting back the new college charter chapter, fighting back against DeSantis and big government attacks on educational freedom. Do you understand that the big government
0: attack on educational freedom has been the DEI? Do you get that? Soros thinks that DeSantis has a lot of money behind him and so therefore he needs to put a lot of money behind Defy. Here's a guy who's not, I don't even think that Soros Soros is an American. I'm pretty dang sure he's not a Florida resident. Now Couple of students, Florida students, were asked about their experiences at the university. Yeah, right, Jim. He is a Hungarian. I think Europe has shut him down. They don't like him. I know the Hungarians don't like him. Two Florida students have accused diversity, equity, and inclusion of discriminating against them. So if our trans fluid Dean is going to play the discrimination card, it's fair for the students to play it. There was a panel called Exposing the DEI Scam
1: that invited several higher education experts to discuss how DEI is embedded in Florida higher education. A couple of students were invited to speak about their experience. Quote from one of them, all of my professors, especially now that I'm in my upper level classes, every time we make a mistake or a calculation mistake, they like to remind us That one mistake could cost the lives of hundreds of people. Now, this is from a University of South Florida engineering student who says that her professors remind her that it could be the equivalent of a bridge collapsing. It could be a nuclear explosion. And the student says, I feel like we're moving away from merit-based systems and focusing solely on superficial
0: and the need for diversity. They even work it into discussions about a bridge collapsing. This student says that the professors are searching for internships,
1: research projects or grants, That will always make room for Hispanic females, no matter the situation or the cause. Now, there's another guy who's a, Florida, this is a male, Darren
0: Boyer, a Florida State University law student who earned his undergraduate degree at the University of North Florida.
1: He certainly can't come to the University of Florida law school because that whole thing is full of Democrats. And they, that, those students do the worst on the law board exams of any law school in the state, I'm told. He says that DEI is used to make individuals view everything through the lens of race and sexuality. He was a member of the UNF student government, and he faced
0: impeachment from his peers when they found out he was a Republican. He says if you don't fall into their classifications, then you won't belong in inclusion.
1: In other words, inclusion doesn't include anybody who disagrees with what they include. Or doesn't even have to
0: disagree just be an example of something they don't include. And different perspectives in the classroom are not tolerated. Boyer, ironically, was black, a quote-unquote person of color, he says, but he's also a Republican. The pressure, he says, is constantly on him that if he's black, it follows that he should identify with the Democratic Party. DeSantis requested data in December 2022 from the public universities on how much they spent of taxpayer dollars
1: to fund DEI initiatives. The figure they came up with was $15 million, but he thinks it's higher
0: because they didn't report everything. They misreported the data. Well, who'd be doing the reporting? The DEI deans would be doing the reporting. We have posted out on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board documents that document this type of behavior going on at the University of Florida. Go take a look at it. Faculty evaluations were based upon affirming and supporting black lives. Fox, the banished Florida president,
1: emphasized that the deans identify actions collectively and individually that were anti-DEI
0: and have a special meeting to discuss their anti-racism efforts. It's all out there. I mean, I've got it out there for you. Training and workshops. Here's one. (laughs) All faculty and staff are expected to participate. This is a faculty of dance and theater.
1: In three days on undoing racism workshops.
0: Undoing racism workshops. We've known about this for a long time on the Word Scott Files. So hopefully you'll understand a little bit today about how to read language and how to understand and structure thought and how to understand when you're being cheated deliberately. See, first of all, you have to know the right way to do it before you know when somebody is ripping you off and doing it the wrong way. If you don't know the right way, you can't you don't you won't know the wrong way when you see it. So if you survived Professor Warthog's writing classes, you can survive anywhere. That was always my motto. If you can survive me, you can survive anybody. Because I ain't going to be pulling punches with you for your own good. I want to help you, though, defend yourself. Plantation Marg offers a beer summon at the honey camp. I
1: You know, (laughs) sound like a good one to me, brother. Well, thank you all for tuning in today. And uh, I just felt like we had to have class and had to have time out and set the record straight on what's happening here. This is going to be a battle. You're going to hear and see and read a lot of misinformation,
0: a lot of of poorly written uh, presentations about it. And. Just put your thinking cap on and don't get down in the dumps. If
1: you think you're the only one in the room who hears a big lie and everybody else is falling for it, you might actually be the only one in the room that hears a big lie.
0: Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.